Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like Apple. Not going anywhere as much as you would like it to. <laughs> Today on the show, I am talking about my stint on Personality Hacker, then talking a little bit about extending the idea on that episode about talking about being an INTP in the modern world, dealing with mental health issues and sort of talking about where to move that conversation forward and talking quite a bit about the industrial world in relation to those things. So really talking about the nodes in our societal system stemming from, you know, after World War II in sort of this industrialized uh, growth of like school systems and uh, corporations and really like the boom of capitalism over the past 60 years or so um, and, and what that really how that really has affected people on an individual level, how that's affected. I didn't really talk about how parents uh, affecting kids and stuff, but really just the general idea that, you know, over time, the sort of sensibilities of one generation doesn't map to where society's going. And sometimes there's some frustrations there and that leads to a lot of anxiety, a lot of difficulty and uh, sometimes some mental health issues uh, while trying to figure out your place in society when society is ever changing and really the path to growth is through individualism. So we talk about a lot of that stuff on this episode. And also there's a little bit of production value added to the, um, the main part of the episode. I just, I've been working on, um, some podcasts for some, for a client of mine. And, uh, I don't know, I just got inspired to add a little zhuzh to this episode. So that's where we're at. That's what we're doing. And I appreciate you for joining me today on dopamine. Let's hit the button and do the thing. Let's go. get back into the podcast game. Not that I've been away for very long, but I feel like this style of podcasting is is something I haven't done for a while. So I'm really excited to get back into it. Um, I was doing a little bit of, let me change the gain on my mic a little bit because yeah, okay, that's better. <laughs> it was getting real loud. Um, man, so it was a long time since I've done this kind of podcast and I was spending a little time doing some audio searching for some, some side work I was doing. And I was just feeling like now it's time to use some of this really dope hip hop music that I'm coming across some of this like alternative hip hop and old school hip hop. And like, I don't know, I was listening to it and it got me real hype about throwing my own music into the sound bed. Not my music, I didn't make it, but this is all from Epidemic Sound. And uh, I think I want to play with sort of recording and putting this through audition and just kind of, you know, extending the production process just a little bit, just give you a little more, a little more production value and see where that goes and uh, kind of feel it out. But uh, today I wanted to talk about you know, my stint on Personality Hacker, because I, I did a uh, an episode with them and I was like super hype about it. Um, and uh, that wasn't even planned, honestly. It was, um, 
you know, so Personality Hacker, for those of you who don't know, Personality Hacker is a great podcast. They are basically the Jay-Z and Beyonce of typology. That's <laughs> the way I look at it. Uh, I think they're really great. And I was really excited to work with them. Um, they basically tapped me to help them with uh, one of their products. They're putting out uh, new discovery kits with interviews of people from each type that are doing intentional growth. So they tapped me for the INTP part of it. And I'm just honored, first of all, that they thought of me, Antonia thought of me, and just have been very excited to share um, my thoughts through that process. So we had a thing scheduled and, uh, we talked for a little bit. We basically talked like we were friends for forever, which is great. Same thing with Joel. Joel came into the picture and we just all started talking like it was nothing. It was great. I loved it. So I was really excited. Um, and we were going to record this thing, but we decided to kind of wait a little bit because, you know, some equipment needs to be switched out. So we decided to record a podcast episode, which is just like beyond expectations of, of what I wanted to get involved in. So I told them a little bit about my story and they wanted to record a podcast episode. So we spent the entire episode talking all about mental health and my experience as an INTP and really finding ways or sharing the ways that I've crossed those two paths. And uh, really, I was going to record this episode as a follow up to to kind of extend some of those thoughts. I think we got the opportunity to talk to pretty intense depth about the topic. Um, there, I was so worried because I thought at some points that I was just so excited to be on the show that I thought I missed some key points, uh, especially while they were talking. Uh, you know, I have inattentive ADHD, so it's really hard for me to focus while someone else is talking, especially when we're like sort of uh, um, waiting for someone else's turn to speak, you know, that sort of thing. And, but it's like it's podcast dynamic. You kind of have to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm always worried that I'm going to be missing words or not really gathering the point of their question and just kind of going off in my own, uh, space and territory as it were. But I, I think it turned out really well. We got to talk about, um, a lot of those intersections between mental health and Myers-Briggs. And really it's been an affirming thing for me that this is a path that I want to explore deeper. Like I want to do more work in understanding general psychology, understanding mental illnesses, um, understanding uh, symptoms and diagnoses and understanding different typology systems. So I've already dove into Myers-Briggs and Enneagram quite a bit, and I want to learn more systems to see how they can potentially help people understand their mental illness issues and see where the patterns and commonalities are. Because one of the things that uh, I may or may not have talked about on the show, yeah, I did talk about it, was the the triggers part of everything. Is that, um, you know, dealing with mental illness is more, for me at least, in the high-functioning mental illnesses that I have experience with, with ADHD in particular and um, cyclothymia is that it's really in my brain is like the control mechanism is really what's a little bit off. So, you know, my desire to go drink or be prom promiscuous or uh, whatever, any of those things that are like kind of physical fulfillments, those are all uh, a symptom of the mechanism in my brain that is controlling my, my ability to, to practice uh, discipline essentially. So, 
in those moments, like just basically like the wall kind of tears down, the shields go down of like my ego and the need to satiate every desire possible. And uh, especially when you're like sick or you're dealing with mania and you're you're just in a really, really rough spot, it feels like incredibly difficult to satisfy all of those things. So uh, what I'm really determining and trying to determine through further research that I want to do is how much that is true versus like the symptoms and really trying to figure out um, how some of these symptoms interconnect with the the uh, uh, the descriptions of typology systems and um, the the symptom the descriptions of each type essentially, right? Uh, as I talked about on the show, there's a lot of descriptions of extroverted intuition and descriptions of mental illness of ADHD in particular and some mania and hypo hypo uh, hypomania that take me into that that these two things seem to interconnect and there are some overlaps in the descriptions of symptoms versus the descriptions of um versus how it you know how it feels to feel like you're mentally ill right and i think some of the different the difficulties and one of the biggest difficulties is really explaining my thought process in terms of how this is an extension of the understanding of the industrial world right that the industrial world is essentially developed through an SJ mindset of center judgers, um, you know, of everyone has to, in some sense or another, be some semblance of dehumanized to work together as one human unit to manufacture, to put kids through school so that they become workers and be compliant and, uh, you know, be disciplined and follow a certain set of moral and structural rules in order to succeed in society. And I think it's the, I think the, the bi- that bias needs to be removed. And I think that bias can be removed over time, but it's a challenge right now because I think a lot of these interpretations of mental illness, or at least the symptoms, the interpretations of symptoms don't take into account intuitive behavior. And what I mean by that is intuitive Think differently. If you think of common core math, if you're someone that understands that or understands the idea of that, you're likely more of an intuitive thinker that someone that understands um, that motive, because that's that's the way I did math in school in my head is, you know, kind of jumping ahead with numbers and especially basic math. It's I can do basic math in my head really fast because I'm typically rounding up and uh, doing it in that common core kind of way. But uh, Common Core is, I think Common Core was an attempt to uh, educate intuitive thinking into school systems, but I think it was just like another version of the same, right? Trying to force one way of thinking onto the masses, whereas I think the world needs to go more towards, you know, humanizing and doing more uh, to help kids understand that they're an individual and and understand that teachers can understand or, or teach teachers to understand that you know plenty of teachers already know this that kids need individual attention and it's not really teachers it's like the quote-unquote the system uh, needs to kind of loosen up to understand that but I, it's a slow process because we spent so many years in the industrial system uh, having been taught how to how to learn and the ways that we're supposed to learn. And, and if we don't learn that way, that we're some version of broken or that we feel broken because like, 
everyone else seems to be fine, right? The majority seems to be fine going through these, um, the school system, or at least at the time, right? I think there's a lot of people that are messed up as a result of it. But um, I think through that, we misdiagnose or tend to rush a diagnosis or don't necessarily understand the depth of the diagnosis of a child and establishing them as ADHD or inattentive ADHD, which formerly known as ADD, we establish them as these types of things because we don't understand the way that they think. So if, if you have schools in the industrial society that is run by uh, sensor types, people who literally learn by experiencing things and not necessarily pattern recognition, they're going to find the pattern recognition brain to be foreign and, you know, kind of look at it as like, oh, that's weird. Or like, why can't you pay attention the way that everyone else does? Why don't you literally see and learn the way that everyone else does? Why don't you, you know, have the same kind of comprehension that everyone else does? Why don't you have the same kind of focus and patience and attention that everyone else does? Right. And, you know, many descriptions of INTPs, for example, involve that inattentiveness, lack of focus often. And we tend to, again, focus on pattern recognition. So that means we don't literally need to see everything. We need to gather enough information from everything to ascertain the pattern. We don't, we don't need to literally look at everything. Like one way that I look at it is when I'm driving, I'm not literally looking at the road. Like <laughs> It's kind of a weird thing to say. I am looking at the road. I'm watching the road, but I'm not literally turning my head to watch every pattern that's coming that's coming and emerging. Right. I'm looking for subtle movements or changes in my environment to figure out the pattern of where those changes are going. Right. Another way that I use that is when I'm doing my video production work, I am often taking candid footage of people in their environment. So people that are uh, enjoying an event. Uh, I just did one today, which is like a, they were painting, um, uh, I forget what they actually call them, but they're like the little boards with the, uh, the bottle opener on it. And they were painting their own custom ones. So I was taking footage of people doing that. And I'm not literally looking around at every single part of the room I'm not looking to capture the exact moment. I'm looking for moments that are about to happen and looking for the patterns there so that I can be in the right spot. You know, if I can see that someone's about to reach for the paint and I want to get their arm coming into frame, I'm not following their arm all the way through the frame. I am pointing the camera where I pretty much can predict that their arm is going to go and watching where they'll end up. And then, you know, following that motion, you know, that motion comes into camera and it all clicks into place, right? So that pattern recognition is absolutely powerful. But in the industrial world, uh, it's really hard to explain that because, you know, the industrial world is kind of designed for one type of brain or a few particular types of brains. And if you don't fit into that brain framework, then you're kind of broken. So that's basically one of the biggest frustrations that I experience with thinking about this in the big picture kind of way when it comes to like mental health, the interpretations of mental health, and then, you know, kind of the industrial world essentially is understanding the nodes in our societal system and how that relates to my personal story and how that relates to so many others, personal stories, intuitives in particular, um, who have had a struggle feeling like they're valuable uh, in a world that 
you know, where you have to conform and comply, you know, intuitives are not built for that, especially intuitive perceivers and P types. We are types that are, you know, we like to work on our own esteem and at our own pace, essentially, and uh, looking for big picture things to talk about and work through and help with. Right. Um, you know, there's I think about Albert Einstein. He worked as a patent clerk for a little while. And uh, interpret interpretations of that are basically that he was, you know, miserable in that job. <laughs> He's not at all happy, uh, not even remotely, because he didn't have the opportunity to exercise his imaginative thinking brain. And that's another way to think of intuitive thinkers, right? Is like very imaginative. Not that other types can't be imaginative, but they're that's kind of a world that they live in more often than not is being imaginative and speculative, right? And whereas, you know, many other types, um, you know, most of the rest of society favors uh, a sense of security, not taking as many risks, right? Uh, you'll see the word like protocol everywhere. <laughs> you know, I think of protocol when I think of, uh, you know, the, the other, the rest of the types in the world. And NP types, we're just much more willing to take risks and we need more opportunity to take risks because for us, it's like the more opportunities that we can create, the more we're willing to fail at things, the more we'll have opportunities to do great things. And that's what I want to continue to do. I want to do great things. That's why I'm continuing to work at this. I'm trying to think of like, oh my God, this is going to be a daunting task. But because of the way that I've lived my life, I feel like I can take on the task. I feel like I can... I'm willing to dive into this to such an intense extreme that, you know, I that others might just not be able to do. Right. So for me, I'm, I'm having to think about all the nodes in these systems leading to this like mental health picture. Right. Because we just a lot of people think about, you know, what's in the DSM and what is existing knowledge, um, you know, and. I try to think of what questions are not being asked. And I think some of the questions that are not being asked is why do we have the diagnoses that we have? And we have to think about our diagnoses in relation to the world we have at large. You know, one of the problems that seems to emerge is that there is a, there tries to be there. there, there people try to make these correlations between mental health issues and you know, vaccines or any kind of medical issues. Right. And I think sometimes even understanding that understanding that there's, there are probably other things to consider there can help people move away from that. It can literally physically save people's lives to understand that some of our mental health issues, uh, you know, especially the opioid crisis and all of that stuff, that if we understand that some of our mental health issues could be simply a factor of our environment, and the way that we were raised based on our expectations of the industrial world, that could be, that could be massive. That could, that could lead to massive implications for getting people the right treatment that don't necessarily involve medication, uh, especially medications that could be addictive and, uh, you know, going to, and, and finding ways that they can find better support. Because if you find that you're just an intuitive and you need to think differently or do different things, then really the the diagnostic and the solution is to find ways, find a way of life that satisfies your way of thinking. And we are just not always encouraged to do that. That's like, that's one of the biggest, I think that's one of the biggest things, right? If we can get, 
if we can understand that in intuition, being imaginative, speculative, etc., is a normal way of going around around the world and going around going about society, then we can save a lot of people a lot of anxiety. We can save a lot of people a lot of trauma and depression and intolerance. You know, in the same way that there's a there's a terrible amount of intolerance when it comes to. Uh, homophobia, like parents not accepting their their gay kids from opening up. I think there is a much more subtle underlying version of that between, you know, intuitives and the expectations of the industrial society. And I don't mean this to be like an intuitive versus sensor thing. I just mean it as like, you know, because of the industrial age, intuitives are now able to explore their intuition. So I think in one way or another, it kind of had to happen. Like we had to go through this industrial age to kind of develop our modern world, right? Otherwise we'd be, you know, a bit further behind. Uh, but the challenge is regaining our humanity in that process because we had to lose it. We had to lose a lot of our humanity from through through that process of like, of, of everyone kind of wearing uniforms and, you know, getting into that, you know what I mean? Like that kind of industrial get in line, um, you know, go through the measure, go through the motions of life and, uh, you know, essentially ensure survival of, you know, of the country's society by going through these rules of the way that you're supposed to behave, which is like, you know, grow up, go to school, go to college, get a house, get a girlfriend, marry her, uh, have some kids and retire and die. <laughs> you know, if everything's mapped out, then you can sure ensure the reproductive survival of humanity and, um, and, and of the culture of American society in particular. Right now, a lot of this is very cynical. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it involves a lot more research for sure, but I do believe very strongly that we are, you know, very much in this cultural node of being affected by the industrial age in the same way that we can talk about slavery. And still, it makes sense because there's it's not that long ago and generation to generation to generation gets taught certain certain subliminal behaviors, not blatant behaviors. I'm not talking about blatant racism or anything like that, but there's a lot of subtleties that come into being exposed or not being exposed to certain types of people and certain uh, ways of being. And I think that is kind of the same thing when it comes to intuitives and versus sensors, you know, or at least um, the industrial age versus intuitives. Because I think there are plenty of sensors also who identify with being imaginative and can identify with using their intuition. So it's not necessarily like one versus the other. It's really like, you know, this recovery period that we're going through to evolve from the industrial world. So I do find that a lot of the world is trying very, very hard to get into this place of removing this dehumanization that is like sprinkled throughout our culture, throughout, uh, throughout corporate culture, throughout expectations of marriage and family and the way that you're supposed to behave in certain situations. I think there is this continued breaking apart of all of these like traditions and actually questioning them as to like whether or not we need this anymore, you know? And I think at times we did need some versions of that, right? I think as a society, it makes sense that everyone would 
uh, kind of have these social pressures to behave a certain way. But life evolves. And I think intuitives and peas in particular are going to be a big part of that evolution while we start to disseminate, you know, not only the mental health start side of things, um, but how that again relates to people's growth and uh, maybe start to listen to what people want on a societal scale in, in that sense, you know, empowering more MPs to do great work and not necessarily just, you know, it's not necessarily just about um, living that, that straight and narrow instruction manual of a life, but being willing to take risks. And that's really for any type, you know, really encouraging the rest of society to be able to take risks, to try new things, to be willing to explore type systems that have been embedded in society for a long time, but be able to ask new theories in the same way that Einstein was able to ask new questions about, you know, relativity and theory of physics. Um, he came into it not having, you know, kind of establishing his own questions and not just living within the rules of established systems, because that's all, you know, that's all a lot of systems want to teach. What is tried and true? Sometimes that becomes emotional. Sometimes that becomes about like what we've learned in the past, how we've learned in the past. And sometimes you got to have people come in and shake things up and move things in a new direction. And now that Einstein was able to develop the theory of relativity, he's changed science forever for as long as humans are understanding science he's allowed us to ask more questions and experience more of reality and uh just learn so much that that happened by simply allowing himself to you know to see to cut through the noise which i think as far as i know he had opportunities to do that but not everyone does again he was like you know, he was kind of pre-industrial World War II, right? So he, after World War II is like, has been a different way of life. And I think we're still kind of recovering generally, generationally uh, from that. I think millennials and, and younger are starting to become more individualistic. Some would call it spoiled. <laughs> I say spoiled, yes, in relation to the industrial world, uh, because there's more freedom. There's more freedom of creation, creative uh, to to become an entrepreneur, to make money by your own terms, to interconnect societally, to marry whenever you need to marry or not marry at all and have fewer opportunities for social judgment and just doing what you want. Uh, and, you know, more opportunities for people to marry whoever they want and to live with whoever they want and have children with whoever they want, you know. And, um, you know, do mostly whatever they want, <laughs> you know, um, but also at the same time, you know, the sort of bad behaviors that were kind of tossed under the rug of previous generations uh, that previous generations were able to kind of turn their head at. Um, we can now move forward in sort of calling them out and not allowing for that behavior in our society. We can check individualism and that that really that really the growth of our society becomes about the power of individuals as opposed to the harmonious power of the human unit of, you know, distancing ourselves from humanity, right? So I think there's an equal amount of strength, if not more strength from individualism, but it does take a lot of work. 
And I think that work for at least my side of it involves the mental health discussion, helping people understand that their personality is not what makes them quote unquote broken, nor does their mental health. But the difference is that maybe there's just a trigger that enhances who they are and makes them a bit of a mental variant in comparison to much of society who are neurotypical. And it just means that, you know, you've you've got considerations, a bit of a handicap, but you're still a human, you're still a person, and you're still valued, and you're still appreciated, and you can still do great things, and you can still offer society plenty of stuff, right? Like, I've got mental health issues, but I've done 300 episodes of this podcast, and people like it, and people appreciate it, and I've provided some value, and through Personality Hacker, I've already had a few people message me and say, like, hey, this has been a great episode, and for that, I'm also grateful. I'm grateful to have my voice, to share my voice, to share my story, and I want to do that more for more people on a larger scale through research, through writing books, for to help under people understand how we can move forward from you know, the challenges that we face based on the nodes in the system that we've created over time. So that's it. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm going to put the episode link to the personality hacker episode in the notes. Please go check it out. Joel and Antonia helped me break down some stuff going on in my life. Also, that really helped me understand that I was going through some some grounding work that I needed to do in the past year and that it's not negative. It's not a loop. It's not a negative loop, but it was something that I needed to do to slow down in my life and just explore different things. So it's incredibly powerful episode. I think it's really, really good. And especially if you're an INTP, it's a really great episode to listen to as well. So Thank you guys for listening to the show. I really appreciate you. Take care of yourselves and each other. Follow me at Let's Go See Notes on all the social channels. Click the link. There's a link tree and all that stuff to where you can learn about uh, all the things that I'm doing. And uh, I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later. This has been a C-Note Media Production.